Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. The sermon is titled, Living with a Higher Vision, and we're going to do an overview of Daniel chapter 7. As we've been going through the book of Daniel, there are two parts, essentially, chapters 1 to 6 and verses 7 to 12. In chapters 1 to 6, which we've gone through, is what we call court stories. Now, what do I mean by court? is happening, a lot of these things happen within the king's palace, within his court. Whereas from chapter 7 to 12 are cosmic stories, which we're going to get into very, very soon. In all these stories that are told in Daniel, they point to one important theological lesson, and that is God is sovereign. He is totally in charge, and He is victorious. So as we go through in the next few months, chapter 7 to 12, we will hear five cosmic stories starting today, in chapter 7, which is the vision of the beasts. You see, we will see visions that are presented to Daniel. And in theological training and in academic, they call these stories apocalyptic literature. Now, it's a bit of a mouthful to say apocalyptic literature. And it sounds very technical, very academic. And sometimes we lose the essence of the power of these visions. See, these visions are actually very spectacular, very dramatic, very majestic, very glorious, because the visions are actually from God and about God. That's why they're so majestic and spectacular. And so in the visions, we're transported to the supernatural. And in that, we begin to see very vivid images that are described to us that transcend our reality, transcend our understanding of the world. They're a bit strange at times, a bit bizarre, but they're from God because we begin to see through the divine eye of God. And it depicts spiritual warfare with the final age of peace where the hope that is found in Jesus is proclaimed. So we begin to dive into Chapter 7, and it begins like this. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Where did this occur? The key point is that it happened in the first year of Belshazzar. Now, when we go through chapters 1 to 6, they span many, many years, from King Nebuchadnezzar all the way to King Cyrus after 539 B.C., but if you look closely at this diagram, Belshazzar comes before King Cyrus. So in chapter 7, we kind of go backwards in time a little bit to 556 BC, the first year of the rule of King Belshazzar. In other words, Daniel in the lion's den hasn't occurred yet. Daniel interpreting a dream of a finger writing on the wall hasn't occurred yet in Daniel's life. He is seeing things from his point of view in history but he's projected into the future, which we will see very soon. And so the vision begins. 
And Daniel sees. He says, Behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came out of the sea. The sea representing the nations of the world, the Gentile nations, opposition to God, stirring up and emerges these four frightening-looking beasts. And throughout chapter 7, we'll see one key idea calling us to live with a higher vision, and that is to fear the king and passion for his kingdom. Let's begin with fear the king. His four beasts emerge out from this violent stirring of water, and the four beasts look like this, a lion with eagle's wings, a bear with three ribs in its mouth, a leopard with four wings on its back, beasts with iron teeth and ten horns. These are really bizarre and strange-looking kind of creatures, but they're frightening. They're terrifying. They're ferocious. Look at that lion, a bear, a leopard, and a beast. These are predators. They rip their prey apart to pieces, destroy them. They're vicious. But add to that, to the lion, a predator, eagle's wings. That adds speed to the lion. It adds long-sightedness, supernatural type of being that is ferocious. And all these beings, says in the vision, eat up one another, devour one another, want to conquer each other. This frightened and made Daniel very anxious when he saw this because these are vivid images. He could have heard the sound. Everything would have looked very real to him. And he inquired of the Lord, what do all these mean? And it revealed that each of these beasts represent four kings, four kingdoms that are powerful, ferocious, that want to dominate the world. Now scholars today try to discern what possibly could have been these four kingdoms. And there are two views held. One which is the Greek view. The Greek view proposes that the four kingdoms are the Babylonian kingdom, the Median kingdom, which is the Medes, the Persian kingdom, and the Greek kingdom. And if we look into history, we notice that all these kingdoms are great kingdoms with military might, political power, and also very staunch religious beliefs that they propagated amongst the people. They were nations that intimidated other nations, nations that subjugated their enemy, that propagated their religious beliefs, and wanted to dominate in the world. This wouldn't be the first time that Daniel would have heard such a vision. For in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar had a vision that was quite similar, of nations and kings that devour one another. If you remember, this is the vision that was given and interpreted by Daniel. It shows the same God speaking about the same things. That is, the four great kings who shall arise out of the earth, they will intimidate, they will subjugate, they will propagate, and they will dominate. One of the beasts, which is the fourth beast that has appeared, greatly troubled Daniel in his spirit. And there was a bit more focus about this in Daniel chapter 7. This fourth beast 
was different from the other beasts. It was terrifying in nature with ten horns. And out of the ten horns, suddenly a little horn emerged with eyes and the mouth of a man and spoke great things and made war with the saints. This is a freaky image. Terrifying. Small in nature, yet powerful in action. Today's scholars discern that this fourth beast refers to what is the Antichrist. This Antichrist in Daniel 7.25 says, He shall speak words against the Most High God and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He shall be against the believers, against the Most High. This is consistent in Scripture as a similar vision is given to John on the island of Patmos and he wrote the book of Revelation about the Antichrist. He says, They worshipped the beast and the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words against God. And he was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, to wear them out, conquer them. You see, here it presents to us a picture of a spiritual reality of opposition against God. And this opposition wants to intimidate us, subjugate us, propagate and dominate. This is dark truth. This is a picture of evil. This is a picture of Satan and what he desires to do, not just in nations, but more importantly, in our hearts. He wants to intimidate our heart subjugate us into his narratives, propagate his belief systems, and to dominate our lives, to tear us away from God. But in this vision, while it paints darkness and terror, it also paints light and righteous victory. For a magnificent scene appears in Daniel's vision of the Ancient of Days. It is written that the Ancient of Days took his seat. He's a ruler, he's a king. And he's clothed white as snow, hair as, as pure as wool. This is an awe, awesome picture of God. Majestic in nature. Sometimes when we hear the word ancient of days, we're probably thinking this old man come up with a stick, huh? White as snow, and then come up, hello, ah, I am the ancient of a day, ah, I, oh, you shall not pop, I, oh, my foot, ah, my foot, ah, I, oh, my back, ah. That is not the picture of ancient of days. It might sound like that. No, this is the magnificent ancient of days that has existed before time. The timeless Father God. His white appearance representing and symbolizing wisdom, majesty, power, holiness, righteousness. His throne was of fiery flames. Such were the nature of visions given to Daniel that everything seemed so real. He could feel the flames, the intense heat omitted from this throne that it would have caused Daniel to fall flat on his face, prostrate before God 
in fear of this magnificent king. When he looked up, he saw thousands upon thousands serving, bowing before this king, worshipping him as he sat in judgment. This fierce fire of judgment coming upon the world. And then the second dramatic scene where entering on the clouds of heaven came in the Son of Man, which we see referred to in the New Testament. The Son of Man is revealed as Jesus. And the Ancient of Days presents Him, gives Him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations should serve Him, worship Him, bow down before Him. And His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It outlasts all the kings, all the great kings and presidents and world leaders because He is eternal. There we see a picture of war happening in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm. The beast trying to devour mankind. But the Lord Jesus giving victory over darkness and sin so that justice will be brought to this world. As it's written, the beast was killed and his body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire, holy fire, overwhelming the beast. It is written in Revelation the same thing. That Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. Victory would be won. Righteousness will prevail and Jesus on the throne will reign forever and ever. You see, there are many oppositions to God today. And they seek to intimidate, subjugate, propagate, dominate. However, the Most High God is ultimate wisdom. The ultimate judge, our ultimate king, our ultimate victor, everlasting. All the world's philosophies, all their thoughts, all the dreams and the desires, things that they sell they will pass but our God shall remain we see today there's much spiritual opposition to God in the world things that the world tries to silence the church on the old age argument of evolution and that whole narrative is that well, we developed from this little, small, little thing. It's very intelligent. We don't need God, a creator. The narrative diminishes the power, the creative power of God who created something and everything that we know of out of absolutely nothing. It diminishes his eternal worth. The opposition of narcissism. A narrative that says that you and I are in control of our own destiny. That we need to only follow our heart. It comes in opposition. That actually the Lord God is sovereign 
and in control of all our destinies and wants control of your heart and mind. Then there's the very sensitive opposition today of people who are considered sometimes by people as freaks, misfits of society, who are hurt deeply by people who are truly bigoted, unloving, judgmental. I have a friend who's gay. I make it a point every year to have lunch with him, sometimes twice a year. And every time we go and eat, see this guy, he's famous in Singapore. So every time we go and eat, people go up to him, ask for his autograph and say hi, take selfies with him. And he always introduced me as, this is my friend, the pastor, my pastor, the gay pastor. That's how I'm introduced, the gay pastor. He's trying to have a, a go at me. And every time, that's okay, you want to call me that, so be it. We'll have a conversation. And always get to a deeper level. It always gets down to Jesus. And there was one lunchtime, with tears running down his face, he said to me, Matt, do you really truly believe that Jesus would love a freak like me? Do you really think that Jesus will love me for all that I've done? Accept me for all the stuff that I look at and love? I'm a freak. Look at me. I looked at him and I said that God loves you very deeply. He extends his loving hand to you. All you got to do is grab it. And he wants to pull you in and love you. This narrative tells us that Jesus don't care for us. Created us that way, I can't help it. He'll never love me. But our narrative is that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. All of us have tendencies to come under the subjugation power of the devil. That makes us uncomfortable. But yet, the Lord Jesus waits to pull us in to his presence. The picture that we see of God here is that he is a fierce God. One who judges. In the modern church today, we, we don't feel comfortable with that. In fact, we, sometimes we want to cancel that out. We want to believe God is a benevolent God, a loving God, a forgiving God, and He will give us everything that we want. But Jesus is one of righteousness, of justice. He demands us to worship Him. Do you fear Him? like Daniel did, feared the Lord with holy fear that it led to his obedience. Who do you fear? Are you intimidated by the opposition to God? To walk into their narratives and to 
Go with the flow, cruise through life, believing all these lies and deceptions. Or do you fear the Most High God and desire to worship Him? And whatever opposition is thrown at you, you've resolved in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. I will worship Him unashamedly. I will follow Him. I'll keep my vision on Him and fear Him. Love Him. Honor Him. You see, it's a very interesting ending to chapter 7. Where it says, Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. And my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Oh, he turned white as a sheet. He was terrified by the images. But more so, he was in awe of this great majestic God. And when he kept the matter in the heart, he didn't go out and say, hey, look how smart I am. I have discerned the vision. No, he kept the matter in his heart because he allowed the reality of God to overwhelm and dominate every action, every thought, every word that he spoke. And we saw that later on, after this vision is spoken where the circle is, during the time of King Cyrus, for people tried to trap him because Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel sought the Lord's face and because of that, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. But Daniel feared the Lord and as a result, this is what he said, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Here was a man who feared his ultimate king. Live with a higher vision, fear the king, and have passion for his kingdom. In Daniel chapter 7, it is revealed to us the Antichrist. This Antichrist shall speak words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. Not just speaking against it, not just trying to war it or wear out us as Christians and make us tired and discouraged, but even trying to change the times and the law. We just heard about that, the narratives that the devil tries to propagate in the hearts of people so that they speak against God. They shake their fists at God. They become angry with God, blaming God for all catastrophe, for all hatred, for all bigotness. And for what it's worth, the Antichrist cancels out, or tries to at least, cancel out Jesus. The Antichrist basically deflames the name of the Lord, deconstructs truth, deceives the world. That is why the Word of God must dwell in our hearts and in our souls, run through our veins, pump our soul, dictate our actions. For the devil is a liar. He will deconstruct truth and he deflames the name of the Lord, but the name of the Lord shall prevail. In 1 John, we read this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. 
the desires of the flesh, the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. And get this, so many Antichrists have come. It's not just one. There will be many, many in history and many else to come who will oppose God, who will sow the seeds of doubt, deception. For the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But our Lord Jesus has come to give life, abundant life, life to the full. There are many passions promoted in the world today. That all the possessions in the world we can claim, we can get, it will make us happy. It will give us ultimate security. We have nothing to worry about. But the Word of God says that all these passions, all this world will pass away one day. But one, that three things shall remain for all of eternity that we see on this earth. It is the presence of the Almighty God. It is the Word of God and the souls of men. They will not pass away. And if the souls of men are so important, we must sow into the kingdom of God. The second passion of this world is sexual immorality. Oh, it runs deep. Lust. It pulls us away and changes the narrative, replaces God's love with Satan's lust. The last one is power. The desire for control, to be in control of my own destiny. And today, one of the greatest power on earth is knowledge. Ever heard of this before? We have the power of the world in our hands, the palm of our hands, the phone. Because the power is seen as knowledge. Isn't it interesting that the first tree that Adam and Eve ate from, that they shouldn't have eaten from, was the tree of knowledge. Knowledge is perceived as king. However, it replaces the power of God's wisdom. What happens to the Antichrist? His dominion shall be taken away. And what happens to God? His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. For the Son of Man, Jesus, is given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Oh, he has authority over those that think they have authority. He will allow kings to live and die, be replaced. He will allow kingdoms to flourish and kingdoms to die and end. What is the kingdom of God? Well, a modern-day theologian by the name of Graham Goldsworthy has a very interesting definition. It's brilliant because this theologian happens to be from Australia. He says this, God's people in God's place under God's rule. His people, we are His people. But are we in His place? Are we doing His will? 
Are we living for his kingdom? Are we under his rule? For he is our king. And if he is our king, we will live for his passion, which is his kingdom. The question is, what is your passion? Is your passion the world and the things of this world? That you invest all your time and energy in it? Or is your passion for his kingdom? Remember, there are three things on this earth that are eternal. God, the word of God, and the souls of man. Is your passion for God in his word for the souls of man to be saved? I recently heard a story of a 25-year-old woman who attended Alpha online in March. And they asked the question to all those attending Alpha, why are you here? What is your question that you want answered during this time? And she said, I want to know my purpose in life. I've been asking this question since my junior college days. And a couple, few weeks into Alpha, they have what's called the Holy Spirit Weekend. And during that time, this young lady gave her life to Jesus. For she realized her purpose in life, her passion in life, is the one who truly gives the answers, Jesus. And now she's attending a nurturing class with two others so that she may in turn disciple others. You know, Alpha is coming up real soon, online. 10 Wednesday evenings. And in that time, we pray that there'll be many non-believers who will come. If you have friends that want to know more about Jesus, want their questions answered, invite them along for Alpha Online. You'll hear more about this during the week. I have one last question before we end. And this question is this. What is your vision? Is it to possess this world and everything in it, knowing full well that one day we're all going to die? You can't bring any of it with you. You're born naked in this world. You will actually go out naked. Or is your vision your ultimate king, Jesus? I want you to imagine, right in front of me is a frame. And this frame, it's a window frame. But imagine with me on your window frame, for some strange reason, you have a mirror on it. So when you look out into your, your vision of your life, what you see is yourself. Myself is my vision. I look in the mirror, wow, look at me. I will do everything for me. That's your vision of life. Or let's say it's same frame, and it's a window. You're looking out, having a vision. And the filter of this frame is this world. So when you look out into the world, what you see is you start comparing. Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. I want to be better than this person. I want to be better than that person. I want to have this thing. I want all of this world can offer. I've only got one life to live. I'm going for this world. Or on that frame is a different lens. It's the Holy Scriptures. It's God's Word. And your vision is Jesus. 
it will add a completely different story to your life. For you will see and behold the majesty of Jesus. Just like Daniel did. You see, if your vision is to possess this world, you will form values that are very worldly, and your voice will be everything to fit into this world. You'll fit right in. You'll represent everything that is worldly of this world, but you will have developed this void in your life. And what do you do to fill this void? You chuck in a whole bunch of sin so you can fit in with this world. But if your vision is your ultimate King Jesus, you will form values and you will have a voice for his kingdom. And what you need to ask the Lord to give you is a vacuum. The vacuum to suck out all the sin in your life. So indeed, your higher vision is Jesus. The name of Jesus, the majesty of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the life and the love and the hope that Jesus gives for all of humankind. Many years ago, there was a rock band in Singapore. It was called Sonic Edge. They're a Christian rock band. They'll play at music festivals at the Esplanade. They'll have all these concerts. It's very hard rock. For some of us, when we would watch it, it will be like a picture of a populistic literature because it's very un- un- you cannot understand it. It's that kind of pop rock, right? It's kind of cool. And so they will attract all the heavy metal guys, guys with tattoos, guys with very colorful backgrounds, came from drug backgrounds, alcohol abuse backgrounds, abusive backgrounds. And so one day they invited me to their camp, and there are all kinds of very colorful backgrounds there at that camp. There's one particular gentleman, he was huge, four times my size, tattoos everywhere around his body. And during a prayer time, he manifested a demonic being. He was roaring like a beast. He was throwing people in the air, literally. And he was tearing out the carpet. And when he was doing that, I was thinking to myself, goodness gracious, we have to pay a lot of money to fix up this place. And there were five men jumping on top of him, trying to hold him down. And this little tiny young lady walked up, put her hand there, and she said these words in a very gentle voice like this. In the name of Jesus, stop. Now, in my mind, I was thinking, hey, give me more passion. Lah. See, with more authority, like, in the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. You know the amazing thing? While all these commotions going along, this guy's stopped. He stopped. There was complete silence and the overwhelming presence of Jesus. Victorious, passionate for this soul to worship him. One final story is something you heard of recently. 18-year-old girl from our church went for a mission trip to Bangkok. There for one month. And one of the things that they would do is they'll go to a very poor community, a slum area in Bangkok. And they went to this house, a man who was paralyzed from the neck down. And as they were talking to this man, they realized that this man's fingernails and toenails were very long. So what did this group do? They went out to the mall, bought a nail clipper, went back, 
and began to cut this man's nails. As this man told his story, he began to weep. He cried because no man would touch him. No person would care about him. Discarded by society, but loved by the Lord. And as he shared the gospel, this man gave his life to Jesus. Passion for his kingdom. Fear for the Lord. A vision higher than ourselves. A vision of Jesus, this majestic king, coming in all his grandeur, in all his majesty and glory, and came in humility on the cross. What we, put, what we took just now is the very essence of a gospel. Foolishness to man, but wise in the eyes of the eternal king. Live with a higher vision. Would you bow your heads as we respond to the Lord this afternoon? As we bow our heads and close our eyes, there's some of us here who have been Christians before. But we are far away from Him. What we possess in our hearts is this world. We want everything out of this world. We don't want to lose out on it. But today we realize that all these things will pass away one day. There's only one thing that's of eternal worth. And you know what? The scripture says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. We want to live on. We want all these really attractive things in life. But somehow there's this void. Fill it with things that seem acceptable to everyone else around us except for Jesus. And perhaps you're there. But today, the Lord's convicting you. He wants to replace that void with a vacuum. The vacuum to suck out the sin. Come back to Him. To worship Him as your King. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. You want to come back to the Lord. This is the prayer that I'd like you to repeat after me in your heart. Lord Jesus, I want to come back home to you, Lord. I want to come back to the place where I once was in your very presence as your child. I want you to be king once again of my life, of my decisions of my words, of my actions, even of my job, of my studies, of my family, of my future, of my finances, of my friends. Forgive me, Lord, for being so far from you. I'm amazed how close you are actually to me. Speaking to me today. There's another group of people you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but today you hear this message, and for some reason or other, your heart is pounding at a million miles per hour, and there's a small voice going, 
I love you. Believe in me. Follow me. Let go of all the things of this world. I invite you into my kingdom. Today, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to pray a prayer after me. This prayer is like this. And if you want to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I call you Lord because today I want you to be the master of my life, master of my destiny, master of all things that I will face in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for dying on the cross for my sins, for rising again and offering eternal life. I believe in you today, Lord. I ask you that you forgive my sins and help me to follow you, to trust you all the days of my life, to be your voice, Adopt your values and to make my vision Jesus. Now, if you prayed either of those prayers, whether to come back to the Lord or to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, when I count to three, I invite you to raise up your hand. One, two, three. Would you raise up your hand if you just prayed those prayers? It's just pick it up. That's right. Anyone else? Just raise up your hand. You want to come back to the Lord today? w you want to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand so I can pray? Father, I pray for hands that are raised. Lord, bless them, empower them, help them, love them, and may they in turn love you, tell about you, and live for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please arise as we close with this song. I speak Jesus. This song is not special. It's powerful. It speaks of the name of Jesus. And when we sing this song, I invite you to sing it with passion in your heart, love for Jesus, believing in the power of His name, Jesus. I just want to speak the name. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Over every heart and every mind. Because I know there's peace. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. Sing it by faith. We sing it believing. I just want to speak. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. To every dark addiction. To every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. We declare together. Your name is power. Your, Your name is power. Your name is healing. We declare. Your name is love. Break every stronghold. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadow. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Christ. 
listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.